2: Yamaha.com.au TV Radio. Today is Monday the 12th of June, a day when most Australian states celebrate the King's Birthday. It's also a day when men and women who have made significant contributions to the community are honoured with the King's Birthday honours. More than 1,000 Australian men and women have been recognised, but for the first time there are more women than men that have been honoured. Among them, some deadly First Nations women. In the program today, we'll hear from some of the First Nations women who have been acknowledged. They'll say why and what they think about being acknowledged. In NITV Radio today, we also feature content shared by NITV's flagship program, The Point, as the show returned to the airwaves for a new season. In the program today, The Point co-hosts Narelle Jacobs and Jean-Paul Janky are on a referendum tour around the country. the first leg took them to the Torres Strait Islands where they sat down with the islander elders to hear their views. On NITV Radio Today, we also continue the conversation around Voice to Parliament exploring the Baranga Statement hailing from the Northern Territory. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news and today we are broadcasting from NAM on the Kulin Nation. Bertrand Tungandame I am Bertrand Tungandame. Federal court to hold on country hearings in the Twentie Street as part of a landmark Australian climate case. The driver of the deadly bus crash in the Hunter Valley under arrest, and the Greens still insist on some sort of rent control before accepting the housing bill. <laughs> Federal Court is holding on-country hearings today on the island of Saibai in the Torres Strait as part of the Australian climate case. Torres Strait Islanders are concerned about rising sea levels that could cause them to lose their ancestral homes and become climate refugees. Two Torres Strait Islanders, Uncle Papai Papai and Uncle Paul Kabai, filed the case in October 2021 against the Commonwealth after years of pleading with the Australian government to take real action to help protect the islands from rising sea levels. Last week, the court held hearings on the island of Boigu and uh, Badu, where they had a site visit to the failing seawall and the cemetery, which is frequently inundated when tides are high. Mr. Kabai, who is from the island of Saibai, is due to give evidence. Today is the start of the Men's Health Week, which will last until the 18th of June. The early event is worldwide and is coordinated in Australia by the Centre for Male Health at Western Sydney University. The theme for the 2023 edition in Australia is healthy habits, which includes eating, drinking, sleeping, moving and also connecting with others. At the occasion of the event, the Australian Men's Health Forum has also released a Know Your Man Facts Toolkit to be downloaded that includes tips for men to stay healthy. This year's King's Birthday Honours recognised the efforts of 1,191 Australians. For the first time since the Order of Australia was established in 1975, more women than men are being recognised in the General Division of the Order. Governor-General David Harley says the awards have reached gender parity for the first time.
5: I'm particularly pleased that for the first time since the Order of Australia was established in 1975, more women than men are being recognised in the general division of the Order. Reaching gender parity in the Order is a major milestone.
2: The Governor-General added that the Order of Australia belongs to everyone because nominations come from the community.
5: The Order of Australia should reflect our diverse community. It is for all Australians. Every recipient in this list, irrespective of gender, cultural background or life experience, has made a positive difference to the community. Their actions, achievements and contributions are inspiring. They are people who go above and beyond to make life better for others.
2: Ten people are reported dead after a bus crash in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales. Emergency services remain at the scene after the accident which occurred just after 11.30pm near the Hunter Expressway off-ramp at Crater. A large-scale operation is ongoing involving several law enforcement and emergency services. Twenty-five more people are currently in hospital. New South Wales Police's Acting Assistant Commissioner, Tracy Chapman, says there was enough elements for the driver to face charges that are not yet determined.
1: A 58-year-old man, the driver of the coach, was taken to hospital for mandatory testing, and he's now at Cessnock Police Station and currently under arrest. A crime scene has been established, and that scene is currently being forensically examined by both Crash Investigation Unit and Specialist Forensic Police.
2: The New South Wales Assistant Police Commissioner also added that uh, there were no children among victims and that there may be more deaths as the bus is still lying on its side. The crash is also causing significant disruptions to traffic with the Wine Country Drive closed in both directions at Greater. The northbound and southbound off-ramps from the Hunter Valley to Wine Country Drive are also closed. The New South Wales Transport Management Centre says there is no forecast for how long the road will be closed. Prime Minister Antonio Albanese has called the Hunter Valley bus crash a devastating loss of life, which is cruel and unfair. He confirmed locals were involved and thanked the faster responders. says anyone who is worried about a family member involved should contact Cessnock Police Station and anyone with any information on the crash should contact Crime Crime Stoppers.
6: All of us
3: know the joy of going to a wedding, a chance to celebrate dear friends
1: and family. They are some of the happiest times that you can have. For a joyous, Day like that, in a beautiful place, to end with such terrible loss of life and injury is so cruel and so sad and so unfair. People hire a bus for weddings in order to keep their guests safe, and that just adds to the unimaginable nature of this tragedy.
2: The Centre for Social Impact has found that health, housing, education and well-being in most parts of the country went backwards in meeting basic human needs in 2021. Getting access to shelter with basic utilities has become harder in most states and territories except Victoria with Tasmania, Queensland and South Australia ranking lowest on the latest social progress index in terms of shelter. The index examined various factors, including the uptake of homelessness services, social housing tenancy rates, and demand. It also considered issues with overcrowding and rental affordability in low-income households. Professor Danielle Log is Director of the Centre for Social Impact and Professor of Innovation and Impact at the University of New South Wales. She says the index can inspire those in charge to find solutions.
6: The Social Progress Index, that we've produced at the Centre for Social Impact shows the uptake in homelessness services, the social housing and tenancy rates and demand, the overcrowding measures and rental affordability in low-income households. So if we think about the crisis in terms of these different drivers, it provides us with insights and ideas of we need to address these drivers to make
2: progress. The Greens are holding firm on their demands for renters as talks on the multi-billion dollar housing bill continue. Crunch time is approaching for the government's $10 billion housing future fund due to hit the Senate during the upcoming sitting fortnight with the Greens laying out where they are willing to compromise and where they plan to dig in. The fund will be invested to generate returns that will help subsidize 30,000 affordable homes with the earnings distributed to housing capped at $500 million a year. Green's spokesperson, Max chandler mather says the party had already made some concessions and is now waiting on Labour to compromise. He told ABC News the party was willing to budge on the total sum that ends up going towards affordable and social housing, but it would need some kind of limitation on rent increases. The Greens have been calling for a two-year rent freeze as implemented during the pandemic, but Mr Chandler Mather said it would consider national caps on rent hikes. Energy providers, AGL and Origin Energy, have confirmed customers will see their bills increase significantly from July. The retailers have announced they will pass on higher prices to customers, citing inflation and higher wholesale costs on variable rate market contracts. People living in residential properties will see an increase ranging between 21 and 30 percent. The changes will come into effect in New South Wales, South Australia and Queensland from July 1 and in Victoria from the 1st of August. In Montenegro, the general election results in a victory for the Europe Now movement, which claims over 25% of votes. The snap election saw the Democratic Party of Socialists arriving second at almost 24% of votes. This party ruled the small Balkan nation for 20 years between 1990 and 2020 Montenegro is a NATO member, but not a European Union member. However, both leading parties at the poll are pro-EU and are expected to seek a closer relationship with the Union. The leader of Europe Now, Miloško Spacik, keeps the door open to other
7: parties. Given all the circumstances, it's an amazing result for for our young movement. Uh, As I said, we are just like one-year-old and... uh, everybody was against us so we are very pleased with this uh, tomorrow we are starting uh, 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 tomorrow is a new day uh, we are not going to be uh, we are not going to be arrogant we will we'll sit down with everybody who shares our values
2: and to, st- and to sport in cricket, Australian captain Pat Cummins says the team's comprehensive victory over India in the World Test Championship final signals the start of what he hopes will be a legacy-defining stay in England. Australia is aiming to win an Ashes series in England for the first time since 2001 when they begin their five-test series at paston on Friday. Cummins says there were tough moments in the lead up to the win, but in the end, the team showed what they were made of.
1: I think at times, yeah, we weren't at our slickest, but, but when it counted, we, um, you know, we played really well. Um, you know, I thought, you know, a couple of days ago, we could have really driven the game home, but uh, didn't have our best day and let, let India yeah, a little bit closer back in, but um, for, the, for the most part, felt like
2: we were in control. The International Cricket Council has hailed hailed Australia's World Test Championship win with a message of congratulations on on Twitter saying the all-conquering Australia have now won every ICC men's trophy. Australia has won 550 over World Cups, one T20 World Cup, two Champions Trophy prizes and now the World Test Championship Mace. And in tennis, Novak Djokovic has won a men's record 23rd Grand Slam singles title by beating Kaspar Ruud in the French Open final. The Serbian has now won more Grand Slams than any male player. The 36-year-old third seed is the only person to have won each of the four Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon, and U.S. Po- and U.S. Open at least three times.
5: I feel that I have I had the power to create my own destiny. I try to visualize every single thing in my life, Uh, not only believe it, but really feel it with every every cell in my body, and I just want to send a message out there to every young person, be in the present moment, forget about what happened in the past, future is something that is just going to happen, but if you want a better future, you create it. Take the means in your hands, believe it, create it.
2: And now, having a look at the weather around the country, Broome, a mostly cloudy day, 30 degrees. Perth, partly cloudy, 17. Adelaide, showers developing, 19. Melbourne, partly cloudy, 15. Hobart, partly cloudy as well, and the top of 16. Albury, Albury-Wodonga, cloudy, 12. Canberra, partly cloudy, 13. Wollongong, partly cloudy as well, and the top of 19. Sydney, partly cloudy, top of 20. Newcastle, partly cloudy as well, and the top of 21. Brisbane, a possible shower, 23. Townsville, partly cloudy, 26. Seven degrees, Cairns. Similar conditions. Twenty-eight. Early springs, mostly sunny. Mostly cloudy, not sunny. Twenty-four degrees. Darwin, sunny day. Thirty-three degrees, and the Torres Strait Islands, a sunny day ahead at the top of thirty degrees. And that is NITV Radio News.
8: TV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or any time online.
2: And that was uh, Mil Kumana by King Stingray. Well, King Stingray actually nabbed top gongs at the global songwriting competition by Triple J last week. They took the first and third place in this year's competition. With this song, they took the largest first place cash prize in the world for a songwriting competition. Congratulations, uh, King Stingray! kicking goals and it uh, really seems never to, st- to slow down. Well, I'm Petron Tungandame and you're listening to NITV Radio coming to you from Nam on the Kulin Nation this Monday afternoon. In the program today, we explore the King's birthday honours with some of the deadly First Nations women whose contributions to the community have been acknowledged. So the Torres Strait Islanders elders, Torres Strait Islander elders, share their views on indigenous voice referendum with the point points co-hosts Junk Paul Junkie and Narelda Jacobs. We also explore the voice from a Northern Territory perspective through the Baranga Statement <laughs>
8: sbs.com.au slash radio
1: Well, uh, it was
9: a bit of a shock actually because uh, my son did the research and he, um, the day after the election, he comes in and says, hey mum, you yes Bill and he goes, you're the first Aboriginal woman elected to any Australian Parliament, did you know that? And I said like, well I didn't until now but thank you and I thought he was joking <laughs> but yeah um, It was a great achievement for the voters in the Kimberley to actually um, elect me because um, I thought I was the best person for the job at the time, (laughs) and I'm pretty sure I was.
2: (laughs) And uh, that was uh, Carol Martin, first Aboriginal woman elected to any Australian parliament, who was given an Order of Australia medal. Carol Martin, as you just heard, was not expecting being nominated and ultimately being recognised. Carol Martin was the first Aboriginal woman to be elected to Parliament, but she also paved the way for more First Nations women.
9: I think the biggest highlight was actually hanging in there for 12 years in Parliament, but... Seriously, um, in the Kimberley, it was all I really wanted to do was make sure that our services were the same as anyone else would get anywhere else in Australia, and of course, Western Australia. So, you know, number one was getting those hospitals sorted out. I got most of it done, so I was pretty happy. Um, the other part, of course, is, you know, nothing comes easy. So, my family made a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of sacrifices, you know, but I think. Again, the greatest achievement was becoming the first Aboriginal woman elected to an Australian parliament. And of course, after that, we've got, um, after me, there were four other Indigenous women um, elected to the seat of Kimberley. So, you know, that was a bit of a, so I think I might have been the trailblazer, but also I set the trend.
2: In this year's King's Birthday Awards, Nunawa Elder Caroline News was also acknowledged for significant service to the indigenous community of Canberra. Ms Hughes has consistently championed the importance of education and its transformative power. Ms Hughes has worked to reduce the impact of child protection practices on First Nations families, implementing early learning programs for babies and children, Whose parents are studying nearby is another powerful tool she championed, as well as modelling behaviours that have benefits for all.
0: Highlights have been where young people have, I've witnessed them achieving what they thought they hadn't been able to achieve. I've seen people in their 40s and 50s and even 60s who had thought education was beyond them and completing educational qualifications, and the absolute joy that I've witnessed on their faces and witness their families, watching them achieve those awards and qualifications. No amount of money can pay for that. And there's been other things as well, working with people, uh, you know, the sadness of homelessness, the sadness of poverty, and helping people to grab those educational qualifications and step out of something that they thought they were stuck in for their life. I've also had the opportunity of leading the revitalisation of our language for the last uh, five to six years and that's been an incredible opportunity for my people. As a child growing up where my language was forbidden to me, I learned some words in the sanctity of my home and, and with my cousins running around but I wasn't allowed to speak my language. Now we can speak in full sentences and paragraphs. And that in itself is so empowering. And when I've sat with my elders and seen the joy on their faces when they're able to speak very clearly and openly with language, it's just beautiful.
2: Journalist and media personality Narelda Jacobs was also awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia General Division for her services to the media and to the community. Narelda Jacobs said she was conflicted receiving an award named after the King but accepted this OAM in recognition of 23 years of service to the community through journalism.
1: I was really conflicted when I found out I was receiving the award. It's the King's birthday honours list which by its name comes from the King which is, as we know, is a really complicated um, thing to talk about and honour to receive direct from the monarch. But I realised that this is a community award in recognition of work that is done for community and in community. So I kind of looked at it as an award that wasn't presented from the monarch himself, But recognition of work within the community. So, who am I to stand in the way of of receiving that honour? So, that's how I I kind of reconcile that or or came at that. Um, Recognising also that, you know, to receive an award that's named something that's on the King's birthday list is really complicated.
2: And these are just uh, a few of the deadly First Nations women who have been acknowledged for their incredible contribution to their community and the entire country. In our upcoming programs and NITV radio will bring you more stories of men and women, First Nations men and women who've received prestigious Kings birthday accolades.
8: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
3: I am deeply, deeply humble at your presence. Welcome, welcome.
7: Thank you. So, Uncle Milton, for that warm welcome. Welcome to The Point, our first on-country stop on our referendum road trip. And we're coming to you from beautiful Zenafkes the Torres Strait.
1: Oh, beautiful. We are on Wyburn, Thursday Island, one of more than 200 islands in Xenath Kest, where the community has just held its Winds of Zenath Cultural Festival for the first time in five years. Yeah,
7: five years. Four huge days of celebration here on the Torres Strait, of dance, of song, of art, of language and culture, all close to my heart, Australia and, and of course... The significant anniversary of Mabai Day.
1: Mm. Now, the festival's theme is apt in this referendum year. It's Marling or Yang or Wakai. Did I say that really... Did I say that okay, Uncle Milton? Pass. Okay, well thank you. That translates to the voice from the deep. And locals are seizing this crucial moment in history. Let's meet our panel joining us. We are so happy to have the traditional owner and Carreg elder Uncle Milton Savage. Uncle Milton, okay. so lovely to see you, who's chair of the Carregg Native Title Aboriginal Corporation. We also have Elsie Syriat, O A M for her community work. <laughs> And a graduate of the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. And Elsa, you brought the foundation onto Thursday Island. And there's a lot of runners that are about to embark on some runs around the world, I'd I'd say. (laughs) Great to see you as well. Thank you. Thank you. And we also have a climate justice campaigner and member of the Torres Strait 8, Kebe Tamu. Kebe, great to see you again.
7: Yeah, great to see you. Great panel we've got assembled here. Uncle Milton, this looks like paradise. But really, what's it like to live here on Thursday Island?
3: Well, I think you've mentioned it already paradise, but um this has always been home to us uh It is where we feel safe and uh, feel comfortable in everything that we do uh the family um yeah so it's more than yeah more than anything you can ever dream of yeah. is is it uh,
1: is it postcard living though when you when you have to live here i mean i mean this this is stunningly beautiful and we have coconut trees um and you know everything you could you could want for but what what is life actually like
3: well i think since colonization and life became difficult uh, because we have to live in this economic system and i think that brings, you know, poverty to our people, you know, and, you know, our people are struggling at the moment, like, just to live a life, because everything costs, and there's also um, high cost of living, and, yeah, so, but as days go by, like, you know, we, we get to manage, we get to manage, because we get the sea, we can go get fish, uh, we got land we can go and dig and that. And plant our own, you know, Mm. food source. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, So we just, I guess, making it better for us by, you know, doing what is righteous. I guess.
1: Elsie, people um, on for the rest of Australia have been talking about the cost of living, but cost of living has impacted people in the Torres Strait for a long time. At the shops, we've seen, you know, lettuces cost ten dollars and there were stories of baby formula costing $96. I mean, what's that like? How do you bring up a family?
4: I mean, 100%. I guess it's really hard for us, especially here on the island, to see the local, watch the local, new, local news and people are complaining about the price of coffee, the price of petrol, um, considered considering up here. I mean, yes, when we talk about petrol, we don't necessarily mean fuel for car, but fuel for food source, you know, for traveling, families to afford coming by dinghy. Um, the prices is just ridiculous. Um, I don't know when we're ever going to get it right for the sake of our people because our people may be too comfortable but not knowing that it's wrong what what we're being charged up here. We have a big outlet in community um, that is our main source that is situated in, I don't know how many <clears throat> Aboriginal and Chorichut Island um, locations. But their prices is like you get five cents off of something that costs like eight ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give us you know? an
1: example. What, what is it like a day in the life of, you know, travelling be- between islands or, or, you know, doing things just to, you know, make ends meet and, and put food on the table for a family?
4: Uh, we talk about our pay pocket, you know, it comes um, and, it, and it just goes. You know, we never have an opportunity really to budget because what is budget living here? But then it's so unfair for our people to relocate. You know, I mean, like obviously we talk, we're going to be talking about climate change and mm. stuff like that, but that shouldn't be the main source of our people leaving our home. Um, when we had our ICORS summit, you know, the government. Um, gave us promises that we still haven't seen yet in community. Um, a lot of promises, including transport. You know, transport is an issue in, commu- in, in community as well. I mean, I speak mainly for where I am, located in Thursday Island. The government promised us a bus. Um, that we haven't seen yet, so people are still, you know, looking for transport to go around. And I'm talking about elderly. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about um, people going, um, moms taking childrens to, like kids to school, um, yeah, it's just, I feel sorry for my own people. I mean, I'm, I'm only a community member and I'm, I'm currently helping a family that's really facing, um, what do you call it, eviction from private rental property. Um, so I'm helping her, going into community, seeing community organizations who I think should help in that criteria that are not. So, so we're looking at going onto mainstream now to hold people accountable because mm-hmm. it's so unfair that... We get treated like that. Elsie, yeah.
7: yeah. is, is it stressful? Is it affecting people's it's, mental health here?
4: It's affecting the family. It's affecting the children. I mean, the family that I'm currently helping, the kids are being affected. They don't want to go to school anymore. Mm. Like, their grades have dropped dramatically. And who's going to help? Like, we have services in community that we're actually door-knocking for um, on how they could help us to help this family mm. to be evicted. I mean, the rents, because it's a private, private rent, they 're able to call whatever price they want, but they need to be exposed in that space i mean sh- they 're currently paying six hundred and fifty a week there 's seven of them, five children plus mom and dad two bedroom seven hundred and fifty a week. They have an issue right now um, with the roofing or something that 's yeah. going on where the the, um, the what do you call the rent um, the boss of the house. Um, wants to put it up $150 extra just so that yeah. they can maintain wow. it. That's yeah. ridiculous.
10: Very difficult, <laughs> difficult <laughs> circumstances. I think um, I think uh, out in the outer islands, you know, when we talk about cost of living, um, it's, it's really sad to see that families have to move away. Um, they actually get forced to move away and they, they find prosperity down south, you know, living away from home, living away from the culture. And, um, you know, the cost is, is so much... To talk about when you talk about cost. There's flights, there's food, there's um, so many things, you know, that um, comes down to why the cost is so high. Mm. But you know, I think you know what else you said is perfect. You know, we had a summit, and we really um, want to see the results of that as soon as possible because you know our people have been living like this for years. Well, can um, you paint a picture home.
1: of what it's like to live on the outer islands
10: oh, it's, and the you you know, challenges? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't grow up anywhere else. I wouldn't raise my kids or you know live anywhere else um, but you know it comes with the challenge mm. um, it comes with the cost and sadly it's that it's the cost of living um, trying to fly from um, Waraba to Horn um, to Cairns that's $1,000 one way um, and us it's a bit easier but the further east you go the cost goes up for, for everything Talk about travel. You talk about um, shopping. Shopping, anything. Yeah.
1: So, when people le- decide to leave the islands, does that have a have an impact on community?
10: Absolutely. You have people who are. Um, everyone plays a p- part in community. Everyone has a role in community. You know, so once you sort of dismantle that by taking away people um, from community, that p- plays an important part. That has a domino effect right throughout the communities. Mm.
7: Mm.
10: Milton, as
7: the older generation is it sad to see lots of the younger generation have to move away from from country and culture?
3: Well it is it it is sad in a way that um, the housing policy and uh, the local government uh, you know they work uh, parallel then you got the native title PBC's you know they're trying to you know do the best they can to you know, to find freedom, uh, that will bring uh, economy to the you know to the local people of the community and jobs. You know, sometimes there's lack of you know lack of proper jobs and families move down south because of that. Um, that freedom yeah. is not there for the people, but. You know, we are trying so hard to, you know, make changes in our community. So it's not a, a one day thing, but it's an everyday, you know, struggle for us. But we keep on, keep on pushing. I mean, I guess the my, most important point is about righteousness and being fair and honest to each other. And this
7: is what we're trying to
3: achieve. So. Mm. So, mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
7: And of course, it's all about being heard. And of course, one of the ways being heard is the... Proposal for a voice to Parliament,
10: i, Where do you stand on the voice to Parliament proposal? Oh, you know, I think um, I support. I support a voice to Parliament, um, but the way I see it, you know, us Truro Islanders, we already have a voice. You know, we've had a voice. Um, um, I think, in my view, since um, the TSRA was established, obviously it's a voice um, directly to the Commonwealth government, and um, yeah, in my view, I. Absolutely support the voice. I think that you know um, indigenous people need to be recognized, First Nations people need to be recognized, um, and I think a voice to parliament really um, takes us closer to where decisions are made, um, you know because for many, many years, decisions have been made on our behalf, mm-hmm. without consultation, without you know someone there representing us. Um, but I think um, for Torres Strait Islanders. Obviously, we've had a voice. We do have a voice already in there. Um, but I think it's... For me, the voice is more around for mainland, um, our brothers and sisters on the mainland. Um, but in saying that, you know, I think there still need to be more work done for our voice up here to be heard. Kibbe, mm.
1: you, you use your voice to um, tell the rest of Australia about climate, the impacts of climate change here. As a young boy on your island home of uh, Wedabah, you built sea walls, can you tell us what's the situation there now?
10: Yeah, it's a, I, I find it, um, you know, it's a pretty amazing story for me personally, um, being eight, nine years old, um, you know, coming down after three o'clock, finished primary school and just, you know, helping our uncles, our older brothers, just shovel into the cement mixer, doing that physical work, actually helping them building seawalls, what, uh, 20 years ago, and then actually now being an... Um, Uh, you know, campaigner around um, climate justice in the Torres Strait and really getting the spotlight up here and getting that voice um, throughout the world, throughout the nation, um, throughout the country and all over the world basically, yeah. But it's um, it's been really empowering for myself um, to be that voice um, for my people and to really shine a light on the issues that we face up here. You know, it was really around low-lying islands um, when we did launch the case five, six years ago, but now we're starting to see the islands with the eels mm. who has villages down um, in low parts of the islands are being affected now. Wow. You know, we've got infrastructure, housing, people, families have to relocate um, to okay. higher grounds, yeah, some of them.
1: Wow, how would uh, having a voice to parliament help?
10: Uh, I, think, I think for us um, up here, you know, anything that um, improves the way we um, work with government, I think it's about building that relationship, getting um, our voice heard um, right there in Parliament, where decisions are made, important, very important decisions are made um, about our life. And I think, you know, the government really need to... It's one thing having a voice, but it's another thing being heard.
2: And that was uh, climate justice campaigner Tamu, one of the panellists at uh, the points referendum trip on Thursday Island. Just for information, The Point airs on NITV, Channel 34, at 8.30pm on Tuesday nights. And all episodes are streamed on SBS On Demand. You can listen to the whole show on SBS On Demand. We must now step aside, and when we come back, we'll continue Indigenous Voice to Parliament conversations with the Baranga Declaration.
8: NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online.
2: Now, Australia has been urged to honour the past and vote yes in the Indigenous Voice referendum to be held later this year. The call has come from Indigenous representatives gathered at the Baranga Festival in the Northern Territory, 35 years after the original Baranga statement. Deborah Grok reports
6: The Baranga Festival is held every year in the Northern Territory, a three day celebration of Indigenous sport, culture, music, and history. At the festival in 1988, a statement was presented to then Prime Minister Bob Hawke that called for First Nations people to have a greater say in the policies that influence their lives. Mr Hawke responded by promising a treaty by 1990. What we have
3: witnessed here today has been historic. You have given us the opportunity of seeing the survival and the renewal of your great tradition. There shall be a treaty negotiated between between the Aboriginal people and the Government on behalf of all the people of Australia, and that we would expect and hope and work for the conclusion of such a treaty before the end of the life of this Parliament.
6: The treaty never came to fruition. Now, in 2023, another significant Burunga statement has been presented. More than 200 representatives of the Northern, Central, Tiwi and, and until Yakwa Aboriginal Land Councils have met on the traditional lands of the Jowin, and they've prepared a declaration of support for the Indigenous voice to Parliament, as the nation prepares to vote in the referendum expected to be held later this year. The chairperson of the Jalwin Association, Lisa Mumbin, says the new declaration invites Australians to listen to the aspirations of traditional owners.
9: This place belongs to us Aboriginal people, the First Nation people, and we need to be acknowledged and recognised now. It is time, and no disrespect to anybody, but to you, non-Indigenous people, we need your support, because together we can thrive. We can thrive, we can heal... And we can make this nation
6: strong. Thomas Mayo is a board director for a group called Australians for Indigenous Constitutional Recognition. He says this new Barunga statement is significant.
5: Australians are going to have an opportunity to respond to the invitation of Indigenous people to accept our voice and our culture and heritage as a gift, as something that moves us forward in, in unity.
6: Mr Mayo says Indigenous Australians have long sought to have a greater say over the policies that impact their lives
5: in the 30s with William Cooper and the leaders of the time, we talked about that. 1963, the Yakala Bark petitions, um, being told no to calling for a voice there. 1972, the Larrakia petition to the Queen's, called for a voice and we were told no. Uh, The Burunga Statement, where a voice was established under Hawke and we heard from Bob Hawke's wife, uh, a very special message, um, established that and then John Howard came in and said no. And uh, the Uluru Statement from the Heart, initially, Uh, We were all told no, lots of people that were here uh, over the last couple of days were at Uluru and um, we are turning those no's around to a yes.
6: Federal Minister for Indigenous Australians Linda Burney says the declaration points to how seriously people are taking the referendum. It shows to me that in regional and remote Australia people are thinking deeply about the future, thinking deeply about what sort of country we want. Assistant Minister for Indigenous Australians, Mullendiri McCarthy, says this statement represents the wishes of many people.
7: It's certainly quite large. At Barunga, you see three or 4,000 people who come through at the festival. The land councils who gathered, they represent over 50,000 uh, First Nations people just in the Territory. Uh, Kimberley region represents more and Cape York represents much more.
6: The Assistant Minister will take the Barunga Declaration to the Senate this week as MPs debate the legislation on the voice referendum question. The Constitution Alteration Bill is due to be debated in the Senate week and expected to pass during those sittings. Deborah Grok, SBS News.
8: NITV Radio. Share our stories on Facebook.
2: Well, as we edge close to the end of uh, today's program, I'd like to invite you to check our website, sbscomau slash radio. We constantly update this website uh, with uh, fresh content, some of which never make it to the airwaves. I'd also like to invite you to follow us on social media, especially Facebook, and uh, continue the conversation there. And uh, that's all we have for you this uh, Monday afternoon. Bye-bye. I am Bertrand Tugendame, thanking you for staying with us once again today. Till next time, bye for now. Yellow.